Capital access has been quite good the last seven to eight years. It's tougher these days, obviously not only in Oslo. There are excellent talents here also for development with development experience, but it's a quite highly educated population. So talent access is high, but competition for talent at the moment is quite high. So we're seeing that some of the companies that are growing at the moment, that come from the startup position, now are growing, now need more talent, more experienced talent, that they have to go and recruit also from other regions. Ole Christian Hjelstun is the chief executive of Invento, the tech transfer organization owned by University of Oslo and Oslo University Hospital, which doesn't just handle all of the typical research commercialization aspects, but also manages clinical trials at its partner institutions, which include all the health trusts in the southeastern Norway Regional Health Authority. Ole has been in the job since 2012 when he joined from GE Healthcare and he also holds positions with the Oslo Cancer Cluster and Incubator Aleep. He tells us how those last two add value to his job at Invento and why he also continues to be a professor of pharmaceutics at the Arctic University of Norway. Norway may be on the edge of Europe, as Ola remarks in this episode, but it is very much punching above its weight, not only in life sciences, but also in more surprising sectors like space tech. My name is Thierry Heles, and you are listening to Talking Tech Transfer. Ola, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. To start with, can you give me an overview of Invento with some headline figures? Yes, we are um, 31 people. We have two areas uh, of operation. One is doing the tech transfer uh, function as we jointly amongst the TTOs in Norway have agreed what is the TTO function. And the other one is uh, serving clinical trials with agreements and uh, the money flow once the clinical trial is executed. We're a company like uh, the model is in Norway, the tech transfer offices are set up, most of them at least, as companies, but they are owned then by the institution. So our owners is the University of Oslo and the Oslo University Hospital. But with the model of the hospitals in Norway above the Oslo University Hospital is the regional health trust of southern Norway, southeastern Norway which comprises nine hospitals, university hospitals and hospitals all together. So we're actually serving all of those. Wow, okay. You added Nordland Hospital quite recently in late 2021. What was that process like? Are you looking to further grow your network? The Nordland Hospital joined the, the clinical trial services, so we do the contract negotiations for them. It means that they can focus on the other aspects of the clinical trials. So it was their initiative. and. We're not actively searching to expand, but uh, we think there is an efficiency in actually doing the processes we do for clinical trials. We've put a lot of efforts into influencing what we can influence on making clinical trials from industry attractive in Norway, which the main thing we can do something about is the time from initiation or desire to go for a clinical trial and to the actual startup, So, uh, which is about 10 to 12 weeks in Norway at the moment, which is actually quite competitive. That's one of the main things that we can influence, but the main things that actually makes it attractive to go place with clinical trials. So the other thing being uh, the uh, 
engagement, of course, of the principal investigator and the number of the patient he can recruit, he or she can recruit in a given shortest possible time, of course. You've answered one of our next questions there as well, so I'm going to jump back a little bit. How do you generally source opportunities when it comes to startups or licenses? Do you have teams placed in all your members? So for the hospitals, the nine hospitals, they all have innovation workers inside. So an innovation responsible could be one person in some of the smaller hospitals. It could be a unit. We work with them, but the process is such that if there is an idea, it is submitted. So a disclosure of invention is it is submitted directly to us normally. But we work closely with these innovation managers that work locally, but we don't actually have invento people working on the ground in all these uh, sites. But actually, some of the most valuable inventions, the licenses we have made over the last few years have come from some of the smallest places. So it seems to work. <laughs> yeah, it seems to. When it does come to the clinical trials, do you manage everything, the financial aspects, the agreements? Is that all done by Invento? Yeah, so the, normally the company would approach a doctor, a unit in the hospital directly, either at the conference, by their publication, checking that they are willing and eager to do the study, but also that they have the patient volume, access to the patient volume. So all the protocol work is done by the company, by the hospital unit. But the negotiations about how the execution is going to be, what happens if there is IP during the study, etc., who owns it? Some, actually, those were some of the difficult questions early on, and we've streamlined that with umbrella agreements so that we overcome the what you say, the legal issues, the standard things that, that can be standardized. And then it's down to negotiating uh, the budget and managing the workflow, making sure that there are patients, that there is progress and that there is payment. Do you find a lot of international companies coming to Norway to do the trials? In cancer, quite a lot. And the Norwegian environments are um, actually quite good on executing the studies. They do it accurately with high quality and with fairly high speed. And also some of the more complicated, complex studies we see are approached at least to a region like ours. So I think in, in that area, it's quite attractive. And in other areas like clinical trials on uh, for children, for uh, neurology, cardiology is increasing at the moment. Uh, the number of uh, phase four trials have gone down. So that's not so attractive to do here. While the number of uh, phase one studies and uh, phase two studies has increased gradually over the last few years. And we're seeing that actually all the startups, not only the ones coming from us, but also from others, are doing their own clinical trials in uh, Norway when it's about pharmaceuticals or similar devices that need uh, clinical trials. And by doing that, uh, they've also attracted phase one, phase two studies from uh, international startups as well. So I think those are the attractive features of Norway. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. And if you are a Norwegian startup and you have such a good framework and good expertise, obviously, I guess you would do the trials in your own country. You wouldn't then go and try and go to the US or, hmm. or another market where it might be more difficult or take longer. Yeah, but it hasn't always been like that. So there was a time when um, also the startups uh, thought it would be uh, useful to go um, other places and maybe have key opinion leaders, etc., and have them execute uh, the study. Again, it could work, but 
most of them have realized what you just said, that it makes sense to work with the people who know the drug or the device and uh, execute the somewhere close. One of the things that you also do is the Idepriesen Award. Can you tell me a little bit about this? And do you offer any other type of funding to your researchers or startups? Yeah, Idepriesen, that's an uh, idea price. So what we see is um, that's kind of like in a lighter evaluation. It's more about uh, creating publicity, having a motivation, giving people a motivation to look through the research and uh, see if there's something that they should submit as an idea or as a disclosure of invention. So for the idea price as such, to win the 250,000 knocks, some of the runners-up, it's a lighter evaluation. So it's it's more on face value, really, just for that occasion. But most of them, uh, or at least many of them, end up as projects later on. Some not, but most of them actually. And one of the most interesting, with the highest potential we work with at the moment, an agent for arrhythmia, cardiac arrhythmia, won the idea prize a few years ago and is now in a very interesting place, possibly able to go straight into phase two. So that's really the purpose of the idea prize. Then the other, do we have funding? We really have three reasons to invest and we don't have a fund, but we invest from whatever we were able to gain from licenses or last year's revenue, etc. So three reasons to invest. One is to help establish the companies. Then the second one is to help them uh, through the first few phases. Uh, We know the projects, uh, we know the people, and we show that we believe in this. Uh, So normally when we uh, invest at least a little bit, this could be the first small emission or it could be several actually before they're able to gain traction and get more serious investors or bigger investors on board. So we would help them through these first phases if we can and uh, if we believe that this is the right thing to do. And then the third reason to invest is sometimes um, when they progress, we might invest because there's a fair chance of success and getting um, to earning money, really. So investing to earn money. But that's a rare occasion. The two first reasons are the obvious ones. The third one is probably also obvious because at the end of the day, you do still need to make money. It is still important (laughs) if impact is the mission. How does your engagement fare from women and underrepresented minorities? Do you track those numbers? Hmm. Yeah, so that's uh, interesting. We're very concerned with diversity and, of course, talent within our organization. I'm, I'm really proud of where we are. So 17 out of the 31 employees our women, uh, nine nationalities are represented through the first or second generation. We really believe that talent is equally distributed in different regions of the world between the sexes, etc. So we pick the best talent we can get whenever, um, well, at the moment, whenever we recruit. And I'm really happy with the staff. I think we have people who are delivery focused and we have a good culture. When it comes to diversity programs for uh, startups, for students, Scientists, entrepreneurs, this is really the responsibility of the university and the hospitals themselves. So we're not really set up to engage or at least to start up those kind of bigger programs. So, but we work with the institutions and they are tracking the numbers themselves where it's relevant. That makes sense. If you're a subsidiary, you don't really deal with the wider university policies. You just deal with what comes across your desk, really. Yeah, we do the task that we have uh, been asked to do, really, which is then the, for us, we're one of those 
tech transfer offices in Norway that are doing um, the TTO function, which really starts with filling the pipeline, evaluating the ideas, the DOFIs, and then ending with uh, licensing to a big, uh, small company or starting up a company. Moving slightly back to the money question, Inventor reinvests its returns into research, obviously, as you said, and the goal is to become a self-funded organization. Where are you in that process? And are there any challenges with being self-funded? Well, the bigger question is about uh, how to fund the activities than uh, the tech transfer office. Is it funded by the institutions, uh, the owners, or is there any other way? So I think the most important thing is to be, um, whichever model, I think, is to be uh, consistent. So um, you should look for uh, efficiency. You should, so improvement is in efficiency that um, help the TTO doing the right uh, things and improving. I think the model itself is less important. At least once you've chosen a model, stick with it and be consistent, support, and rather look for these efficiencies, uh, etc., doing the right things. But, but of course, the model of uh, being self-funded is a difficult model when you work with research, basic research that has lead times of 5, 10, 13 years before they create revenue and you're supposed to live, survive, to engage your activities by that revenue. So that's a challenge. It's, it doesn't work if it was only uh, that, at least not until you reach that uh, stage where the revenue or your work start um, giving payback. And so, but there are some, uh, the good parts about the model is that um, the TTO has um, their skin in the game. It's a sharp focus on what uh, can become a success meaning that uh, you have to build a lot of your expertise into the selection process. You have to professionalize the verification. You're free in a way, uh, or at least you have some more room to hire the right competence. On the other hand, there's then a limit to how much you can engage in bigger programs out of the tasks that you're set to do, how broad a role you really can play in the building of a culture for entrepreneurship, how much time you can spend on each project, etc. So this is um, <laughs> these are the the two uh, edges of the sword, I think. So, but I think we've taken some big steps to become self-funded lately. Over the last couple of years, we had some good exits, which means also that inventors, entrepreneurs, and the research groups themselves have had some significant income. In this way, it works so well. Having come to this place, of course, the Norwegian Research Council has uh, played a big role since the change in the universities, uh, of the regulation of the universities and the ownership of the ideas. In the early 2000s, the Research Council set up a program, so they've helped build the expertise and fund some of the activities to come where we are. It leads me neatly on to my next question, which is that Norway abolished professor's privilege in 2002. Some research has suggested that that land to an almost 50% decline in entrepreneurship and patenting rates. We're two decades later now. What is your view of the ecosystem now? And would you say that this model has worked out? In isolation, I think the buildup of, what should you say, professional TTOs have worked. Going to the next step, more needs to be done, really. And I think a lot more research, you know. I wish there was a lot more research on the Norwegian entrepreneurial system <laughs> before and after the change and what's happened over the last year. It's been a lot of change within the tech transfer 
offices within the, the environment. And the article uh, you mentioned, there's really one article pointing to uh, a possible uh, decline in uh, entrepreneurship, the number of startups and patenting. But this is, for the innovation area, it is important that the research is accurate. Uh, while I think it is um, still an area where it's difficult to really uh, understand all the details. So that work was really on the patenting side. It only used the numbers from the Norwegian Patenting Office. And uh, what uh, the TTO started doing after 2004 was uh, mainly patenting in the US, the UK, and the big regions in Europe directly, not going through the Norwegian Patenting Office. So not really comparing apples and apples. And similar, actually, with the startups. What the tech transfer offices started doing was to start up the companies themselves, even though the the scientist uh, had ownership into the company for the first few moments. Tech transfer office or the university was recorded as the owner of the company, so not the individual in a way, at least not with the big ownerships. And there was a cutoff really in that work of 10% ownership per individual. So now again, not really catching all of the potential numbers and then making a conclusion out of it. We've looked into a lot of the international research, uh, used that as a guidance. I think there's a lot of excellent work on the tech transfer work, what works, what doesn't work. And we've used that as guidance along with some of the uh, those that have success, um, Leuven, Columbia, Stanford, New York, Oxford. We've, uh, we've learned a lot from those and uh, tried to translate that into where we are, which phase we are in uh, in Norway at that given moment, and what we think could be successful um, out of the learning from those. That's really interesting. I hadn't realized that the numbers in the study might be way off because they only looked at the Norwegian Patenting Office, and that's not where the patents are filed anymore. Obviously, then they, you would see a decline. Yeah, well, the, our numbers, so 90% of what we have patented since 2004 has gone through the US or European agencies, and 10% of those would be visible in the Norwegian Patent Office because they are made valid for the Norwegian region. So those are the numbers we have. And, and I think actually the patent numbers have been important for the University of Oslo with their ranking, um, at least in the Reuters index of uh, innovation. They've been into top 10 uh, European universities over the last few years. So I think patents for us is an expense. We don't uh, patent to have big numbers, but what Reuters then is recording is uh, the conversion rate from your first patent application and then moving onward to PCT and the national phase. How efficient are you, et cetera. So, so I think we have contributed, our numbers have contributed to on that note, perhaps, what are some of the opportunities in Oslo today? Yeah, the Oslo region has a lot of health-related, so life science-related research going on. Excellent research, uh, quite a bit of the national funding goes into the region. So that's an area where we um, also uh, get quite a few DOFIs, and we aim to contribute to building a national health uh, industry, which, of course, can have export income and become a health industry also in Norway, which has not been the case. There have been some light towers, but not like Denmark, Sweden, and other countries in Europe with a vibrant health industry. So I think 
The ecosystem has developed quite a lot over the last few years. So cluster organizations, what we call clusters, is a member organization focusing in particular areas like medtech, cancer, also cancer cluster, the life science cluster. And there's been a buildup of health incubators like Aleep and also cancer cluster incubator, which now at the moment is doubling in size, both of them. The same with a laboratory, like walk-in, almost walk-in laboratory facility called ShareLab in the science park in Oslo. And the investor base is increasing. The first VC health specialized funds has been established, and we're seeing that they invest earlier, not only these Norwegian-based funds, but also the other VCs are actually investing early at the moment. So we think there's a lot of opportunities also for the investors in Oslo at the moment. You've mentioned the Oslo Cancer Cluster and the LEAP there. You are on the board of both of those organizations. What prompts you to join the board and how do these organizations add value to your work at Inventor? Yeah, so Oslo Cancer Cluster, we're, I'm part of the board of the Oslo Cancer Cluster Incubator, and we're a part owner of the incubator. So um, obviously we're, in a way, a pipeline into the incubator. And for us, it's a place where we can not hand off, but uh, that can help the startups in the next phase where we should go back and uh, develop the next idea. Really the boards, the team, and also the incubator environment should help the startups grow. The same thing with the leap uh, where we actually were one out of the three initiator of a leap. So where we in a way own, it's not a commercial enterprise, but we own one third of the incubator and we're on the board to make sure that you take the right strategic decisions. And for us, it's a way of helping more than only the projects coming from our owners. So a leap is a health incubator for all health-related companies coming from the different regions of Norway. And I think at the moment, the regions also, with, of course, the regional attitude for uh, patriotism, so to say, is very strong in each region, and it should be. But I think still that there is a realization that it is important for these startups to mingle, to be close to each other, and to help each other, learn from each other, that we're actually growing together in a way. So LIP is filling one of those roles. And they're actually looking to set up a fund at the moment. Hopefully that succeeds, which will even be more powerful for them and reach even further. Interesting. I'll have to keep an eye out for that. What are some of the challenges that you face in Oslo today? Yeah, so capital access has been quite good the last seven to eight years. It's tougher these days, obviously not only in Oslo. There are excellent talents here also for development with development experience. But it's a quite highly educated population, so talent access is high, but competition for talent at the moment is quite high. So we're seeing that some of the companies that are growing at the moment, that come from the startup position, now are growing, now need more talent, more experienced talent, that they have to go and recruit also from other regions, which is a good opportunity to, for talent to come settle down, work in Norway. Or uh, these companies need to establish uh, subsidiaries in order to recruit other places. So that's happening at the moment. That's one of the challenges, I would say, in Oslo at the moment. 
And of course, the culture is developing, culture for entrepreneurship, culture. There is really a wind of entrepreneurship over the country's young talent to see this as a possibility to shape their own workplace in a way and for their, their peers. So we have big expectations to that, but there has to be a culture supporting all this. At the, so it's, it, it all happens at once, really. Is there enough real estate for your startups, enough incubators or enough wet labs, considering it's life science heavy? Hmm. Well, I think so, that this is building up alongside. And uh, there is an initiative also from the hospitals and the university to expand uh, their efforts into stimulating new ideas, having pilot projects, making the hospitals more open for test systems, pilot systems, without affecting the daily routine work and treatment of patients, etc. So Health to Be is, is one of those initiatives and the Life Science Growth House of the University of Oslo is one of the other initiatives. So to answer your question, is there enough? In a way, yes, at the moment, but there's a lot being built up at the moment as well. So to be able to expand on this. You yourself, you joined Inventor from G Healthcare in 2012. Happy 10 year anniversary, I suppose. You've also been a professor at the Arctic University of Norway since 2000. What prompted you to join Inventu and pursue a career in tech transfer? Yeah, it's really purpose, uh, I must say. So I can't really think of a better purpose than doing the tech transfer work, you know, making an impact on what out of the research that in itself is never ending, helping take that to the market and then be available to help other people to be, become meaningful uh, to the society really. So I was uh, heading up the Global Product Development Organization, MGE. I had this professorship, part-time position uh, all along. I love working with young people. They give me energy uh, <laughs> to do the other work as well. And I think uh, seeing people, uh, giving them practical examples uh, from my own experience on the subject, which in pharmaceutics, which can be seen as quite difficult, times complicated. And seeing that people actually are getting hooks to hook their knowledge on and, and then to build on that, I think that's very satisfying to me in a way. So building talent, making an impact on those, but also making an impact in the job of tech transfer, really. So I think there's no more interesting place. And so if I should do a career move from where I was, it was really um, into this space. Yeah. Are there any notable changes that you've seen over these past 10 years or even beyond that? Yeah, I think there has been big changes. We've changed a lot. There has always been these uh, excellent uh, scientists with an entrepreneurial mind. I think they're also evenly distributed across uh, all institutions. And we've learned a lot. We've worked with them. But I think the changes when it comes to culture of and the, the desire to become an entrepreneur, partially leaving your professional position as a scientist, as a professor, there's a lot of change in that attitude, actually. And also working with industry. It's a slow change, but I think it's speeded up the last few years, really. So scientists are more eager to work with industry because they can learn, they can be connected with other 
scientific groups, not only on the scientific area, but on a particular subject in other parts of the world. So we're really increasing the competence. I think those are some of the assets that have uh, we've seen changed uh, around the city. Good changes. We've talked quite a little bit about Norway having adopted the US model and having learned from Leuven and others. Is there something that others could learn from Oslo or Norway? I think the collaboration between the tech transfer offices in Norway, there's not so many of them. The biggest universities have uh, tech transfer. There's a research institute also that are on the owner side of some of these. But it's like 11 tech transfer offices at the moment. And we're collaborating quite closely and done so for several years, or the last few years, I should say. And we've been looking at best practices amongst us, openly sharing different deals, aspects of negotiation and the other professional parts of running a project or helping to progress a project, assessing ideas. But I think in what the Oslo Cancer Cluster has done to expose the great work and excellent research in the National Cancer Hospital is something that is a role model. And then I would point to some of the areas where Norway is punching above the weight class like in radio pharmaceuticals, we don't have the best research. We don't necessarily have the top-notch nuclear medicine, but converting the research into products is really an area of expertise. And it has some reasons for that with ties to a research institute in that area. And then imaging agents as such, X-ray contrast agents, MR, ultrasound equipment. So the handheld ultrasound device is really developed in Norway, designed in France and produced in China, as, uh, <laughs> as they say. And then immuno-oncology, I think, with the early buildup of uh, GMP cell uh, facility, there's been a lot of uh, innovation around that. So I think those areas is something that can be learned from. Speaking of learning from others, what is a challenge that you have overcome that others might learn from? So, yeah, I think... Being in tech transfer, there are so many really expectations from people about the future, how important their innovation can be, how important it can be for society, how much Invento can contribute, and then realizations on how difficult it is to raise money, find the right people, the right path, etc. So all these are daily challenges, I think, that make this, uh, <laughs> this uh, job really, really interesting. And I must say, every time we really enter a license that gives not only the technology a fair chance to reach the market, to have impact, but also giving the company we license to a chance to, or a new leg to stand on, so to say, or every time a startup is securing funding for the next phase. We're really happy and we feel that we've overcome a challenge. So personally, also, that's really satisfaction to see people being happy about having reached those significant uh, milestones. But personally, uh, uh, the challenge I was given by the university, the hospital and the board when I started in this position is that we have a license on what's called ProBNP, one of the most cardiac uh, in vitro tests uh, licensed to Roche. Only a few years left of the license of the income. We really don't see what's um, something emerging to fill the gap. We can't provide service to inventors if we can't run the Evento <laughs> at the same level. So, so that was the challenge given uh, to me. And since we now have come to a stage uh, the last couple of years where 
our own economy is more stable. Having done that, that is also uh, then showing that there has come significant income to inventors and uh, to the research group. That's the personal challenge I think we've overcome. Amazing. Oh, what a challenge to overcome. <laughs> that is fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> On a related note, perhaps, if you had a magic wand, is there anything that you would change about tech transfer? Yes, I think focus on what to achieve. So having direction, which really goes from the top of the national system, so to say, starting with the departments, what we really want to achieve and being clear about what the KPIs are of all through from the top through the institutions and down to not only the scientists on the bench and their leaders, but also to people like us on uh, what do we really want to achieve. So consistency uh, is really what I would put an emphasis on, consistency with the KPIs and what we want to achieve in In an ever-changing world, consistency uh, is an important. As someone who lives in the UK, I crave consistency perhaps more than anyone else at the moment, but that's a different discussion perhaps. (laughs) Can you give me some examples of portfolio companies? I have a few, and I think I can mention a company called Proman, which is an IT company that was recently acquired by a VC consortium and the Danish partner working in the same space. It's really their invention that you worked on for some time. It's a tunnel that is non-hackable between your mobile and your bank, for instance, once you are logged on. And when this was then acquired, the inventor has a prime position in the new next phase of development. So uh, we think that's great. Nycode is the biggest emerging uh, biotech in Norway at the moment. They're somewhat like a biotech competitor with a platform technology within cancer and vaccines. They used to be called Vaxibody. Now they're called uh, Nycode. We have another immunology company called uh, Ultimovax, which possibly is the first real proactive preventive uh, cancer vaccine uh, company. They're listed on the Norwegian Stock Exchange, and they have uh, several trials in phase two that come to uh, a conclusion in not such a long time. Then there is uh, Elliptic Labs, which is uh, out there with their own proprietary technology for mobile phones and computers, having quite a good uh, turnover. There's a company called IDEL, E-I-D-E-L, which is um, a space technology company, which actually is another um, area where Norway as such is punching above their weight class. And they're important. They're based uh, outside of uh, Oslo, but they are important for the build-up of the new European space port in the northern part of Norway. And then uh, lots of other Tribune Therapeutics on uh, fibrosis, one of the companies that VC have invested in quite early. Big prospects, difficult disease. Agiana Therapeutics, the cardiac arrhythmia company that I am I mentioned earlier that is looking to secure finance right now to go straight into phase two. Really, really exciting. We've never been in that situation before where we could in-license from someone else a product that has been in phase one and with our own patent, the company can go straight into phase two. There is a Holocare virtual surgical procedure assistance, do more AI diagnosis company. Cardinor, maybe the new ProBMP in vitro test company, Saluna Therapeutic, which is an immune oncology, and OncoInvent, which is a bit further advanced on the radiopharmaceutical therapeutic side. 
So those um, I would like to highlight since we're on the edge of Europe and uh, maybe these companies are not so visible <laughs> to everybody else. That is a fascinating selection. When, obviously, we talked quite a bit about life sciences in the past 45 minutes or so. And then also having something that makes your banking more secure and something working on a spaceport. <laughs> That's really cool. That's pretty much all of the questions that I had. Is there anything else that you want people to know about Invento? Yes, and the system as such, um, as we speak, actually, now a uh, new state budget for 2023 is being announced right as we are uh, speaking now. So we're expecting a significant change in the TTO program. So the, the, I mentioned the Research Council has been really instrumental in uh, supporting and building the tech transfer offices, helping them professionalize over the last 15, 18 years now. We think that there will be a change in the state budget. So the responsibility for taking the tech transfer offices and the culture to the next phase will be placed more into the institutions. So that's an interesting change that I'm eager to look into once we close uh, this uh, podcast. And then I would mention also uh, something else which is really interesting happening at the moment, and that is the Oslo Science City Initiative. So building a whole area around the hospitals, the university, the science park where I'm uh, sitting at the moment and where the Alip incubator is up to the National Cancer Hospital. All this region is being planned to become, uh, what should I say, the new industrial hub for startups, uh, for people living alongside soft industries, bigger companies engaging with smaller companies, etc. So that's really, really exciting to follow. Amazing. Quite a lot to think about still. And I, I'm going to use my three words of Norwegian to see if I can understand what the budget announcement was when we are done with this as well. Possibly with quite a lot of help from Google Translate. Ola, it's been brilliant chatting with you today and learning more about Invento and Norway in general. Thank you very much. Yeah, I hope it was useful. And thank you for giving me uh, the chance. This is I've listened to some of your pods uh, and uh, I think it's really interesting. And uh, thanks for doing this. You are another interesting interview to add to a long line. Talking Tech Transfer is hosted by me, Thierry Helis. If this is your first time listening, make sure to hit that subscribe button and peruse our archive of more than 50 interviews. This podcast is a production by Global University Venturing, a Morsonia Limited publication. You can find our website at globalventuring.com forward slash university, on Twitter at GUVenturing, and on LinkedIn as Global University Venturing. Our sound engineer is Mark Chatterley from In-Ear Production. You can find out more about them at inearproduction.com. If you have any comments or are interested in being a guest on a future episode, feel free to email me at thehelis at globalventuring.com. That's T-H-E-L-E-S at globalventuring.com. We'd also really love it if you left us a review on Apple Podcasts, and if you haven't yet, do recommend this podcast to your friends and colleagues, or maybe even share it on LinkedIn or Twitter. Until next time, goodbye. Do 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 do